Welcome to episode 19 of the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. As always, I'm Tom Roberts, your host. On today's show, we have part two of the interview with Chris Randall's aggression. We talk about uh, Malcolm Young's unfortunate sickness. We talk about the uh, the retirement of Black Sabbath. We have our band of the week. We talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. And... Uh, I ask you, uh, who's on your bucket list? Who haven't you seen live yet? What bands are on your top 10 bucket list? I'm far away from completing mine. Only one left that is not metal. Four left that are metal, in my view. And, uh, yeah. Before we get to all that, what do you say we, uh, kick off the show? This is Chris from Segression. You're listening to the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by Tom Roberts. All metal and mostly Aussie. Thank you for sticking around and listening to episode 19 of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. As I said in the intro, I'm Tom Roberts. As always, every single week, your host. I want to explain last week's show and what was uh, weird, to say the least. Uh, at least it was weird to me listening to it. I actually recorded it a few weeks ago, but uh, in the week between uh, uploading it and now, um, uh, recording and uploading it, I mean, I, uh, was, well, first of all, my internet died and, uh, kind of got fucked by, uh, Telstra, I'm not sure, I think it was the weather going on out there, uh, just, yeah, fucked my internet hard, and then I got sick, violently, violently ill, uh, my wife, my daughter, myself, and I, me and myself and I, uh, we all got very, very sick. Uh, yeah, so it it didn't go up when I wanted it to, and it uh, and it went up uh, when it did, and I didn't promote it very well because I was very ill straight after I uploaded it. I was lucky to get it up when I did. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, why at least to me the last episode sounded a bit funny. Uh, I don't know if it sounded funny to you guys, but it sounded funny to me. Uh, but anyway, outside of that, um, want to talk about something. I brought it up last week, saying, or last episode, a few weeks ago, saying that we would end up talking about it this week. But um, I want to talk about Malcolm Young. Um, he's a, if you don't know who Malcolm Young is, you're not Australian, obviously. But, uh, he's one of the Young Brothers, uh, um, he's a member of, a co-founding member of ACDC, he's, uh, he's the rhythm guitarist from ACDC, he's Angus's brother, but he's 61 years old and he's had to leave the band. Um, this saddens me, uh, he has dementia, apparently he's in full-time care, apparently, uh, in a nursing home facility, um... I'm not sure who's had to replace him on the uh on the lineup. But uh yeah, whoever it is. I, I heard that it was his son, but I'm not sure. I can't get confirm that. But uh yeah, I wish all the best to Malcolm Young. I hope that uh, everything works out well that I'm sorry I said that. But uh yeah. I hope that it's not as bad as the media is playing out to be and that he's got a bit of wit about him still. But, uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't affect ACDC's future because they're going on tour soon and they're bringing out an album. Uh, they just dropped a new song a few weeks ago. Uh, and, um, yeah, I wonder if he ended up playing on the new album at all. But, yeah, from the sounds of it, he didn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, in other news, one of the, the, not one of, the original, 
I I mentioned this a few weeks ago on the show, but the original heavy metal band Black Sabbath have announced that they're going to bring out their final album and do their final ever world tour, then retire. Um, uh, follow up to the album 13, uh, Rick Rubin will return as the band's final, for the band's final studio effort. So Black Sabbath will record their follow up with, uh, with Rick Rubin as its producer. Uh, apparently it is possible that, uh, Ward can come back. But it's doubtful. Um, I think if they're not gonna do it without, if they're gonna do it without Ward, uh, don't call it your final one. Uh, call it the last for now. But uh, don't call it Black Sabbath. It's like the the hardcore dudes say, don't call it the Dio years Black Sabbath. Um, I believe it's all Black Sabbath, but if you're going to say that, don't call the Dio years Black Sabbath. Don't call these years Black Sabbath because Ward isn't there. Just because Ozzy wasn't there doesn't make it not Black Sabbath, if you know what I mean. But anyway, um, yeah, Sharon Osbourne seems to be the one uh, feeling the fire between the band and Ward, and I hope she fucks off soon. Uh, but yeah, if I miss this tour, because I missed the last one, I'm going to be very pissed. Uh, like it, like it, they said, it's going to be their last tour. They're old men, so, like, I couldn't expect it to be their, uh, not the last tour, if you know what I mean. Like, they are old men. But, um, yeah, which brings us, speaking of the very first metal band ever, retiring uh it's time to bring in the news it's time for this week's uh full metal lockdown podcast band of the week um this week's band of the week goes to imperilment from canberra uh imperilment are metal progressive melodic dot metal progressive melodic death metal band they're a uh five-piece band they're actually playing at the Metal Fiesta show in November with Prong. Uh, so how cool is that? They've already got uh, international support. But uh, with four members coming from the Beneath the Tides, they have headed in a more progressive, technical, melodic sound compared to that of their previous band. Since their writing style is changing, they saw it fit to change the band's name to something more fitting. In early 2014, Imperilment has expanded to a five-piece, adding yet another dimension to its to their songwriting and stage show. Uh, artists they like and are influenced by uh, Lamb of God, Armand Pantera, Devil Driver, Trivium, and In Flames. Um, yeah, like I said, they're from Canberra. I'll throw up their their links on Facebook. Uh, but they're a band of the week, like I said. If you want to catch them live, they're playing on the 22nd of November at the basement in Canberra at the Metal Fiesta 6, along with uh, Prong from the US, their very first ever live show in Australia. Oh, sorry, live tour in Australia. With the Last Enemy, Mother Slug, Rise of Avernus, Wretch, Inhuman uh, Remnants, Namaza, and Imperilment. So yeah, that's our band of the week this week. Imperilment. I just like saying that word. Imperilment. So, who's on your music bucket list? Uh, if you don't know what a music bucket list is, a normal bucket list is things you want to do before you die. And a music bucket list is bands you want to see live before you die. Now, I've only got, uh, four left on my bucket list. Uh, although I'm thinking about, uh, replacing one of them because I already, there were five left, but I 
ended up replacing one because realistically, I'm never going to see them live. But uh, mine are, sorry for all the metalheads out there, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Tool, Nice Nails, uh, Food Fighters, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, yeah, I know, Rob Zombie, uh, was Pantera, but it got changed to Quest of Stone Age, and Lamb of God. Uh, now, I've seen Chili Peppers, I've seen Rage, I've seen Tool, I've seen Queens, I've seen Nine Nails, and I've seen Lamb of God. Um, uh, I've got a, I've only got four left, that's Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Rob Zombie, and who else? Oh, shit, I've forgotten a lot of Foo Fighters. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, and Fifth Fighters left over. But uh, I've got to replace Led Zeppelin. I just don't know with who yet. I could cop out and just say, oh, it's someone they're already seen. But I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to replace them with someone that I haven't seen yet. But, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Pantera won there, but I had to get rid of them. Uh, not because I wanted to, but because it was just realistic that I was never going to see them live. And it'll be the same for Led Zeppelin. But who's on your music bucket list? Uh, hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown. Hit me up on, uh, the Twitter at Tom underscore Roberts 989 or hit me up on the email. Email? Lockdown at gmail.com. Thank you. Uh, yeah, hit me up on that and give me your top 10 bucket list. I've already uh, posted a status asking for them on Facebook. I got no answers, believe it or not. I got plenty of answers on my personal one. But uh, hit me up on the Facebook or the Twitter or the email and let me know. We'll start a discussion. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to, if you go to the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown, I'm going to restart the notes uh, on the Facebook page. Um, I was doing them for a while. Uh, if you don't know what they are, they're kind of like a blog. I don't know. It's just to fill in the gaps between the seven days. That I don't do this, and that when I do do this, pretty much, uh, it's it to expand on the topics that I brought up during the week, or to make topics that I'm going to bring up next week. Anyway, yeah, hit it up, hit up the Facebook page. I've got uh a few old notes, so to speak, on there. Um, yeah, have a look at them. Uh yesterday actually, I got my uh. Uh, one of the notes I might put up there is I got my new TV. It's not exactly metal, but uh, yeah, yesterday I got my new TV. It's a 3D smart TV from Kogan. Yeah, uh, it's K-O-N. No, wait, it's K-O-G-A-N. Uh, 3D smart TV. It's fully hooked up to the internet. Uh, they just forgot my 3D glasses when they gave it to me, so I can't use the 3D function. But it's, uh, I think it's called Passive 3D, where you, like, press a button, and whatever you're watching at the time turns into 3D TV. So you don't have to be watching a specialized 3D program for it to happen. Pretty cool, actually, and it wasn't exactly expensive. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, really good so far. The sound is a bit as your father. Yeah. Could do a better sound system built into it. But uh, other than that, eh, pretty good. I like it. I've been waiting ages to get it. Because I originally got it for Christmas last year off my beautiful wife. And it blew up. Literally blew up. And uh, it blew up back in February. And I've been waiting ever since to get my new one. But yeah, I finally got it back. So, uh, yeah. Um... I put this up in the intro, uh, get back on track, back on subject up in this bitch, 
but uh sorry go gangster on metal podcast but up on this biatch um yeah have you heard about the rock and roll hall of fame nominees um i know there have been a few different podcasts a few different radio shows a few different people talking about this but uh yeah, I'm a bit uh, pissed off by the uh, by some of these. Uh, if you don't know who they are, yeah, that's okay. But uh, yeah, I'll read out the uh, actual nominees now for you. Uh, Sheik, Green Day, uh, Paul Butterfield, uh, the Paul Butterfield Blues Band, sorry. Craftwork, Marvelettes, NWA, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the NWA have been nominated. These aren't Joan Jett and the Black Arts, sorry. Uh, these aren't um, uh, the people going in. These are just the nominees. Uh, so, Paul Butterfield Blues Band, Sheik, Green Day, Joan Jett and the Black Arts, uh, Craftwork, the Marvelettes. Once again, I NWA. Someone explain that to me. Uh, Ninth Nails, Lou Reed. I thought he was already in there, but that could be with his band. But like, if he's already in there, why give it to him again? Uh, the Smiths, The Spinners, Sting, Stevie Ray Vaughan, War, and Bill Withers. They're the nominees for 2015. They'll pick like five six to go in um the contenders for the headline act to go in uh nine inch nails and green day but it might even be nwa but i uh, strange things have happened but uh yeah i don't think it should be that being said i don't think if it's the rock and roll hall of fame i think there should be a rap hall of fame but or a disco hall of fame or whatever but it's a rock and roll hall of fame. Like if you play rock, metal, or punk, which is they're all derived from rock technically. I mean, then you can get in. I guess rap is derived from disco. Enough said, really. But hey, I don't make the rules. They make the rules. If they want to let NWA in, that's their prerogative. If they if they're going to let Run DMC in, let NWA in, let Ice-T in as well, let uh, all of them in. But uh, the biggest travesty with me is that uh, Deep Purple got snubbed again. Yeah, for like, what is it, the 12th year in a row they've been like snubbed from the Hall of Fame, maybe longer. Uh, but yeah, they... They let Metallica in a few years ago, and they have a big problem with, uh, pardon me, they have a big problem with letting metal in. Now, if you ask me, uh, I heard this brought up on another show a few weeks ago, uh, uh every kid that has ever picked up a guitar learnt the song Smoke on the Water, Smoke on the Water. Uh, as the first song, and which is the da 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 that song. If you don't know that song, go look it up and you'll recognize it straight away. But like something that iconic and that recognizable should be in the Hall of Fame. And when they finally get in, it'll be one of the biggest things of all time, in my view. Anyway, it'll be one of the biggest nominations of all time. But they haven't even been nominated, let alone uh, got an entry, uh, from my knowledge, anyway. But uh, if you have different knowledge to me, let me know uh, on Twitter, Facebook, or email. My Twitter handle is Tom underscore Roberts 989. The Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown. And the email is fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. Yeah, but right now we're going to uh, throw it over to the second part of the interview with Chris Randolph's aggression. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff in this interview, and uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoy it.
Alrighty, so uh, we're here for the second week, the second part, whatever you want to call it, with uh, with uh, Chris Rand of Segression. Uh, you still good, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, it's the same phone call as last week. We've just uh, split it into two and they decide to split them in half. Um, so, Chris, uh, with Segression... Which is your favourite venue in Australia to play a gig? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a funny. That is a that is the most pointed, controversial question that you could throw at me, actually, because I enjoy playing in different cities for different reasons. But when it comes down to the actual venue, um, it would be hard to beat the Horden. Oh wow! That that place was just that that place was just awesome. I I I couldn't believe that I was playing on a on a like a stage that size. To be honest with you, that that was why it was my favourite more so because I had a mosh pit in front of me that was that big. <laughs> it was just the energy in that room was just incredible. The venue itself, the um, the actual facilities, like it, yeah, it was just awesome. Yeah. Uh- what about a smaller stage? Like, do you have like a, a favorite, like smaller stage to play on, or is it just the Horden? Uh, the Metro is a really cool room in Sydney. Uh, the, at the uh, in George Street is Metro Theatre in Sydney. Yeah, that's that one. Yeah, that's that's a really cool vibe. Um, and if it comes down to like, um, if you're talking then about actual clubs, the the place where I enjoyed playing. Probably the most was was a, a little bar in um, in Brisbane called the Crash and Burn, and we played there once with the Dream Killers. And I'm not joking, there was that many people in there and that much sweat in the room that it actually started raining inside the building. Jesus Christ! Because the people's sweat, the, the actual sweat and condensation, rose up and went up onto the roof and then started dripping back down off the roof. Wow, that like sound like a few people will listen to that and go, "Oh, that's dirty," but that that sounds like an incredible environment to be in. I just see. Oh, that. look! It was just by the end of the night, I probably lost about four kilos in sweat myself, and I couldn't hear for two days, and my neck felt like someone had hit it with with some sort of blunt instrument because it was just chaos. <laughs> but but now. The fact that I was able to do that and survive is um, lives fondly in my memory. Yeah, wow. So, do the other members of Segression share your point of views, or is do they have different favourites? Um, I don't know to be honest with you. Um, next rehearsal, I could probably check it out, but um, I really don't know. Look, Mick Mick's been in Segression for the last like four or five years. So he hasn't played the amount of venues that we played back when you're looking at like late 90s, early 2000s. So um, he would probably have a different um, philosophy on venues, as would add our um, our new drummer. But Sven would definitely he would he would be in favour of the place that I've just said. Yeah. Because we've played together for that many years. We are, you know, he's my daughter's godfather. I, we we I remember all the conversations we had about different shows. So me and him are probably on the same page venue wise because we've done all them shows together. The um, Mick and Ads probably they don't have that sort of um, that scope of um, venue choice, I guess, because we haven't played as many places over the last couple of years. Okay, so uh, speaking of like uh, the uh, early nineties, late two thousands. For those who don't know, Segression went on a hiatus in 2003, I think it was, was it? Yep, yep. it was around then. Uh, is the reason for the hiatus, what was it? Well, one, we didn't we, we realise the length of the hiatus, and you'll probably get to realise this yourself now that you've got a, a young daughter. When you've got young children, blink your eyes and two years goes. Like, <laughs> you just bang and it's just, holy shit, where did that time go? So the, the, the hiatus didn't feel like as big of a hiatus to us as it felt like for everybody else. Hence, no announcement on what we were doing or anything because 
we were just busy. We were busy, but we weren't busy playing and writing Segression stuff. Yeah. We were still doing things that were related to the band, by the way. Like we, um, now you've heard Never Dead a few years ago, and now coming up with this new album, um, you'll hear the result of that as well. Is we all sort of got fit. Well, I did in my in my own personal life. I got fit. I trained very hard. Um, I raised my own family with my wife. Um, we built a recording studio and a rehearsal facility like in uh, part of my dad's house so that Segression could then have somewhere that we didn't have to keep lugging our gear around. We could rehearse whenever we kind of wanted to and um, start writing and recording. The thing is with that is with technology and all the changes that come with it and being a band that sort of was in amongst all that but not brought up on it, it was a bit of a steep learning curve. Um, you can remember when we did our first records, we were recording to two-inch tape with sound engineers and assistant engineers and people that run around doing all sorts of things. So we, we're not in the environment now where kids basically grow up with a computer and, and uh, a Line 6 floorboard and can plug in and record something that sounds half-decent straight away. For me and Sven to do our early demos was done on like a cassette player and we had to flip it over and, and do all sorts of things like that where then we built a recording studio and then learning how to use it, that sort of took a little bit longer than what it probably would have taken a 16-year-old kid that, uh, yeah, that's grown up with it. So, yeah, our hiatus was a result of us doing things like that. Uh, we went off, Sven, Sven went off and played with Vale and did a few other bands. Um, I went off and um, had spent time with my wife and kids and um, built this studio that we were doing and, got fit so lots of different things and then by the time we then came around that we started on never dead then our hiatus was probably only a couple of years because there was a couple of years then spent working on never dead so and then from there then we, we we've done the new one which has been another couple of years so we, we have been busy but yeah when you're not thrusting things upon people publicly all the time it, it, yeah it can definitely look like we're on some sort of break uh, when you decided to reform, what was the conversation? Like, did you and Sven walk up to each other and say, "Let's start the band again," or was it more? No, like absolutely. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was. It was Red and Shane, oh. <laughs> the two guys that actually aren't um, current active members of Segression at the moment. It was those. It was those two that um, had said, uh, "Let's let's get back and start playing some gigs and get this next album out." So. Um, and at the time that we did um, get back into it, Sven was busy doing one of his other bands, Vale. So he didn't actually have the time to fit in to doing what we needed to do with Segression. So we got Mick on board, um, who's been a long-time friend of us and, and a phenomenal guitar player. Um, so he was involved then with the Never Dead project. And um, after that, then is when um, Shane has um, settled down. He's got um, a son at the moment. He's just about... I believe his, his missus is just about to give birth to um, a baby girl. So he's off um, with his family. And uh, when he decided to do that, Sven said, I'm, I'm ready to come back in. So it was just um, swap for swap, basically. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then and then the lineup changed with the drumming. Um, as we began working on Painted in Blood, it became very apparent. Well, it actually became apparent during um, Never Dead that um, – Red's playing lended itself more to a, a more rocky environment rather than the um, the style that we were heading in. So we um, rather than Segression, we didn't, we didn't want to water it down. We didn't want it to become lighter. We wanted to push the envelope and improve and, and, and develop and become heavier, if anything. And um, that was where it um, sort of became the end of the line for, for Red. And uh, adds is a an absolute beast of a drummer and I wish I've written music with him for the last 20 years but uh, yeah it's all a, it's all a bit of a learning curve he's um, he's playing on this new record he's I'm a fan of him <laughs> full stop the way he conducts himself he's a nice person he's um, humble he works very hard and he's playing I, I can sit in the room and just listen to him play drums all day oh wow so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Mick, you, uh, he played a, a one time with the band Fozzy, if I'm not mistaken. I might yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, for those who yeah, don't know Fozzy, they're from, uh, I think, New York in America. I'm not. No, no, they're not. Atlanta. Atlanta, that's it. Yeah. 
Uh, the, they're actually the band Fozzie's actually um, Stuck Mojo, but with Chris Jericho. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. That that that's what I was getting. Reach Ward writes pretty much all the songs, and Chris Jericho, yep. the wrestler, he's the singer. Their their new album is actually yep. really good. I listened to it recently. I haven't actually had I haven't actually had the opportunity to hear the new one. Um, although we did do shows with Fozzie a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, that would have been like the uh, sandpapers or, or whatever it was called. Um, I can't, I can't remember the name of what they call their tour. To be honest, when they come out, yeah. Ah, uh, but I. Uh, but it was the result. Of, it was a result of uh, one of my. Um, I, I don't often, when people give me a compliment, I don't often take it on board. I appreciate it. Obviously, it's if anyone tells you something nice, you you know you're flattered by it and you enjoy it. But um, there was one particular compliment paid to us by Rich Ward that actually stuck with me, and I thought that's just a really nice thing to hear. And it was uh, we did a cover of a Stuck Mojo song, and he came out and said, "You did that better than we ever could have." And to hear it done with two guitars, he said, "I really enjoyed your version of that a lot." So when he said that to me, I was like, "That that was a really nice thing for him to say," and and I couldn't thank him enough for that. Oh wow. They actually, uh, Fozzy on their new record, actually do a cover of uh, S.O.S. by ABBA. And they, oh, wow. They do it in their own <laughs> that would version. be something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard it covered before by a uh, Sydney artist. He does acoustic heavy metal. His name's uh, Fez, but uh, he performed under the banner of Lab 64. And he does an acoustic okay. metal version of S.O.S., but they do like a full, like, heavy metal version, but like an old school heavy metal version of SOS. It's really freaking wow. good. It's one of the most unique cool. covers I've ever heard. But uh, yeah, Excellent. They've stepped it up from where they were to where they are now. It's just leaps and bounds. Yeah. But uh, I want to ask you, because I'm covered in them, or not covered, I've got my back covered from hip to hip, from neck to ass crack, and then I've got them all over my arms, but I'm covered in tattoos. Uh, how did you get into tattooing? My dad is a tattoo artist. Ah, okay. I've, I've been a young child sitting in the corner of the tattoo artist waiting for it to be my turn. And, and, and one day, one day I, um, I was at work with my dad and I, I'd be there, um, helping out around the shop and, uh, it was back in the days, there was no telephones, there was no appointment books, there was no computers, there was none of that in the shop. And it was, he was just snowed under and he said, look, there's the machines, you've been around this your whole life, can you just colour that little bit in on that tattoo for me? And that was over 20 years ago now, so that pretty much is the quickest way I could tell you that it happened to me. Um, I just... Yeah, always been around it. It's my family. My dad's actually been tattooing since he was 14 years old, and he's still actively tattooing now. Wow. And he's, um, he's 64 years old. Um, if you go to, like, the around the same sort of time as Segression was kicking off, my dad was winning just about everything that there could have been in the Australian tattoo industry, and he is the most down-to-earth, quiet, humble person you would ever meet. And my best mate. So oh, wow. I've, um, I've been lucky. I've been lucky to spend, um, a great deal of my life, uh, beside him. And he's also the person that now, um, set up the recording studio for Segression and, um, is a big part of behind the scenes with Segression. He was, he's driven the tour bus when we would go play Byron Bay or Lismore. He'd be the guy driving the bus. If there was um, T-shirts to be sold, he'd be the guy ordering them and going to get them. He's just, he's a metalhead from way back. And yeah, me and him are just like best friends. Oh, wow. That is, yeah. Uh... Although he did, he did the, he actually did prick it out on me, if I'm allowed to use that sort of language. Um, I was at high, I, I was at high school and I wanted to not, finish high school and do all sorts of things and and he said to me you have to go to university and get an education or I'm not showing you the tattoo at all you're not going to do anything in the shop with me unless you get an education so he did prick it out on me and he made me go to uni and I finished uni uh, I was tattooing at the same time as I was studying but yeah I'm still not happy that he made me go through it well I kind of am because I finished uni with 
degree qualifications in something completely irrelevant to anything. But, yeah, he wouldn't teach me, so he pricked it out until I finished duty. Uh, wow, that, that's amazing. Um, he sounds like a not only a great tattooist, but a great person as well. Right, and that's yeah, uh, he he'd give you the shirt off his back if you could. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because I have a uh, strong passion for tattoos. I can't draw myself, and my hands not steady enough due to my disability. But uh, I'll cover myself in them as much as I can <laughs> when I have the money. That is. Well, that's 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 definitely not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love people. I love people that love tattoos. Uh, I mean, for me, it's been you know a part of my life for such a long time. You know, I don't know any different. Yeah. Um, I've always just seen my dad tattooing people, so I kind of see it from a completely different light to um to how it is now. I guess. Yeah. So, uh, what is the writing process behind aggression? Uh, to change the subject a bit, so about that we went from tattooing to writing. No, all good. But yeah, what is the writing no. process behind the band? Okay, we've we've written songs in every different type of formula that I guess you could sort of throw at us. Um, we've sat down with acoustic guitars and nutted things out. We've jammed and played things live until we thought they felt okay to um, now is a case of guys have pretty well set up studios where they can bring in almost fully structured songs that we can sort of analyse and take apart and then um, write that way and then finish a song basically in, in terms of it being recorded and then learn it back like a cover and see what it feels like to play it live. And so, yeah, we've, we've, we've written songs in all different types of types of ways there's there's no one way that we sort of stick to and i guess that's that's the fun bit for us is trying to come up with new ways of and new ideas all the time and and keeping it fresh and and i hope that whenever anybody hears what we've done with the with the painted in blood record they they realize that we're not a bunch of old guys that are just sticking to what they know that we we we're hungry and passionate and we we look at what people do and and learn and and um not replicate and come up with our own fresh ideas and, and things to do. So, yeah, that, that's an exciting question for me because I'm always looking at different ways. How can we start a song? You know, will it start with the drum beat next time? Or will it, you know, be the guitarist that grabs me? Or or, or is everyone going to follow what I've got to say lyrically? You know, so oh, I, I get excited to this day with, with with a new song. It's like, wow, what's, this, uh, what's it going to be like when it's finished, you know? Yeah. Like you, like you, like you baking this cake. It's like, what's it going to turn out like? Is it, it going to be something special? Is it going to be something shit? You know, but but the process of it is the fun bit for me. Not you get a satisfaction when it's finished, but the the process and the excitement I get is is from how we're going to do it. You know, what's it going to be like? Yeah, yeah, I I understand what you mean. But uh, when it comes to personally like writing lyrics. How do you go about it? Like, do you do like a uh, who was it, Chrissy Amphlett, and like get nude and turn off all the lights and light one candle and write a song, <laughs> or like is Absol- it more straightforward Absolutely. with the beer in your left hand and then a pen in your right and you write the song? Is it no? Nah, look, your process? I am. Um, I, I write. Ten, I tend to write in solitude. I I do write a lot of the stuff by myself. Um, not in terms of the completed song, but but in terms of the lyrics and the vocal, I um I tend to be left by myself to do that, and then um when I've gotten it to a point, I will if not a finished point either. I'll, I'll come up with something and I'll record it and I'll I'll get some feedback. And I'm not looking for someone to come into the room with me and go, you know what, that's excellent. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for any little hint on their face that there's something wrong or or if I fucked something up there, or I, uh, my my clarity of my voice is it not clear enough? Can you not understand what I'm trying to say? So I, I write by myself. I bring people in to critique me, if you'd like to use that word, and, and be critical. And then um, I'll take on board. No, I don't always agree with it. Sometimes um, someone will come in, like on the new album, um, I brought my dad in on a song, and I went, "What do you think of this?" He didn't like it, and then. But I did, and <laughs> usually if someone doesn't like something, I'll doubt myself and go, um, 
you know what, yeah, they're right, it doesn't work. And I'll, I'll go back and, and see what I can do to, to make it better. And you know, this one song is like, oh, I'm not sold on that. And I said, well, I think I'm going in the right direction. And I, I stuck to my guns on it and, and it stayed the way I, I, um, I had it originally. And the, the song's done like that now on the album. And uh, then when it was all finished, everyone was like, wow, that 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 was really something different. And, re- and they really liked it then. So sometimes when they come in and they do critique, I will listen to them. Sometimes I won't. But um, hopefully in the end, everybody's happy with what I've come up with. Uh, to uh, stay on a uh, kind of a personal level as well, uh, Chris, what appeals to you to metal? Like, was there a moment that you first heard metal and it just start with you from that point onwards? Um, not really. Not not really. Um, I've always listened to a pretty big range of music. Um, you you're just as likely to see me with my iPod on running down the street listening to Lenny Kravitz as what you are with me listening to Strapping Young Lad City album. Um, but there are there are you know, flashbacks to when I was younger of, of heavy music being played to me at a young age. So um, for me growing up and then hearing like the likes of Slayer and, and Metallica and, and the early sort of thrash bands from America, it wasn't so different for me because my dad had always played like um, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and, and all those bands when I was really young. Um, so I... I I've always been exposed to a broader range of music, so I guess that means that I'll always like a, a broad range of music. But yeah. in terms of metal, no, there, was, there wasn't like a particular moment that I went, holy shit, this is for me. Um, it, it, that sort of light bulb thing didn't really happen with me. There are particular albums that have come along that I've gone, wow, and that that is really, really good, and I really, really like that. Um but it didn't sort of grab me in a way of I really, really want to be that. Pantera's Vulgar Display of Power album, that grabbed me in that. I think it was one of the first sort of albums that I heard where it had a power to it, but the power wasn't built around the speed at which things were played. Yeah. It had, that, it had more of a groovy sort of, almost bluesy type of thing going on. And, and I remember like hearing walk going, wow, this, that, that's going to change things. I remember thinking that I remember hearing walk. Um, and I think I even heard it on a demo tape from somebody that knew the band before it had actually come out and, and giving me a cassette version of it. And I remember hearing it thinking that, that is so different. And um, that's going to change things. And I remember that that might be the closest thing, I, I guess, to, um, to something that changed me metal-wise. But I, uh, then you look back at when I was a kid and my dad playing me a Black Sabbath album, same sort of thing, you know, like uh, I was that young that I didn't know any different with it and I just thought it was cool. My favourite question that I ask pretty much every week to every person that I interview uh, what music did your parents listen to? Oh well, well, he, my dad is a he has the Rolling Stones tongue and lips tattooed on him, and I and I only did it a couple of years ago. Um, he's got tickets for when they were originally scheduled on their very last world tour. That was my Christmas present that I bought him. So he he's a big Rolling Stones. Mecca, I guess he just <laughs> loves them to the point of I actually have my favorite, well, not my absolute favorite, but one of my top ten favorite photos that are on my um, my personal iPhone is a picture that I took very recently of him um, last Father's Day that has just gone. I um I bought him a turntable uh-huh. so that he could go and replay all of his old vinyl. I bought him a, a, a new turntable. And um, my favourite, or one of my favourite photos on my iPhone is him sitting there on Father's Day with his original Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers vinyl with the zip that goes oh. fucking up and down that he queued up for in 1971 April, I think it was, from memory, around then when he queued up in South Africa and fucking bought it. And he still has it. And he sat on the lounge on Father's Day with it in his lap ready to play it when I went home. Oh, wow. That would have been... Oh, 
Yeah, words can't describe that because I've only ever seen one version of that album. They re-released it a few years ago, but it's not as good as the 12-inch with the working zipper. It's just... Oh, wow. He has that, and he has it, and it's not something that he found on eBay. He has the one that he actually bought when he was living in South Africa before I was born because my parents actually moved back from South they, they we're, we're Welsh heritage and uh, they moved from Wales to um, South Africa. My dad had a, a job when he was he was tattooing but it, he still had to work other jobs. He didn't pay the bills back then so he um, he was working at the Ford in South Africa and my mum was pregnant with me and they moved back to Wales um, to have me because of apartheid and they didn't want me, me born in, uh, in South Africa with everyone getting to 18 and have to go to the army and all that. So they... Um, they moved back to Wales so that they could have me, and that that record moved around the world with him. He took it back to um, back to Wales, and then when we emigrated to Australia when I was younger, he brought it with him. So, yeah, that that's an, an original copy of that. That's not uh, something that he's hunted down off the internet. Wow. So, uh, do you listen to the same music that your parents listen to? Of course. Um, I don't always like everything that he listens to. Um, or that my mum listens to some of the stuff he buys, I cringe at. But but in saying that, there uh, there's some stuff that he that he played me that you know, the, um, Johnny Winter early blues records and stuff, and and BB King and Muddy Waters and stuff like that. Um, and obviously he he's into more extreme metal than anything. He doesn't necessarily get like the the metal core and and um, Etc. That that's out now, but he um he still like he still holds like a record such as like Grip Incorporated's first one. He still holds that up as like that that is awesome. And you funnily enough go and get an album like that and play it up against the Segregation record and go, you know what, that blows you away. But it blows you away in this way. And he he's a bit of a metal critique, you know. He, he still uh, he's still into that to this day. I remember him going to watch Slayer and he was um he was getting right into it at Waves. And he um he's funny, but yeah, <laughs> some of the stuff I love, some of the stuff I hate, but I guess that's the beauty beauty of music. Everybody uh everybody has their own little thing that they like. Um I'll play him some really early chili pepper stuff, um something like Uplift Mofo Party Plan or something like that and I'll play him early infectious grooves. Uh, and I'll, I'll play him all them sort of things, and he'll just shake his head and go, "That's rubbish." And then he'll he'll go and grab like Cypress Hill or something like um, Dr. Dre, like a, an obscure Dr. Dre music soundtrack thing, and he'll put that on and enjoy it. It's like really, like I don't. He's like really eclectic with what he likes. Earlier in the interview, you were talking about vulgar display of power, which is the, of course yep. the. Uh, the uh, ultra popular Pantera album, uh, and last yep. week you talked about playing at the Dime Day Festival in Wagga Wagga. Uh, yep. Would you, when you played at Dime Day, because you toured with Pantera, am I right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, obviously, before everything happened and before they broke up, uh, was it surreal yep. playing at Dime Day having met Dimebag? Um, I just thought it, that it was a really good thing that people are remembering him and, and putting events on. Uh, I, don't, well, I wouldn't call it surreal. Um, I just felt honoured that we were asked to do it and um, grateful for the fact that um, everyone was there to celebrate one of the greatest musicians that's uh, that's ever walked the face of the earth. Um, when we did have the privilege, and I call it a privilege, because, um, it, it was really special to be able to tour with them. Um, Dime and his brother were really, really nice people. They they were really nice. We didn't bond like and get really close to them and fanboy up, but the you know the few conversations that we had with them, they seemed like really genuine and really nice people. And he's just like a really bruisey sort of dude. You know, the, his public persona and, and what the way that people think that Dime was is that. The happy guy that's got a guitar in his hand, that's kind of cruisy and laid back, and and the way that everyone on the internet or the way that people in general perceive how he was, that's that's how I actually found him to be. Um, I won't pretend that I was ever best mates with him. We did a few shows together, 
and I got the you know the privilege of having a couple of conversations with him, and that's exactly how I found him to be. And then I actually found Vinny to be very similar, you know, very very laid back, very happy people. Give him a couple of beers and um, and whatever else, and they were they were happy as Larry. <laughs> so, uh, what song did you choose at Dome Day? Because I've explained it before, every band has to pick one cover of the Pantera song to do. What song did Scratchin choose to cover? Uh, now you've got me. I can't. I can't think on the top of my head what I actually what we actually played. It was off because um, we played two. We played one off um, Cowboys from Hell, and we played one off uh, Far Beyond Driven. Uh, and I can't think. Um, I can't think of the the song names now. You got me right on the top of my right off the top of my head. Um, I'd have to go and look. I honestly I can't remember. Oh, that's all right, mate. Uh, I was the, the reason. There is a reason why I can't remember is because we we actually practiced like a lot of different ones, and um, then we picked from there. And I because it, it we're going back now a couple of years. I um I can't remember which two we picked. There's the joys of getting a little bit older, and that your memory has certain parts where it likes to kick in and, and kick out. <laughs> But I remember it was, there was definitely one, um, you'd be more, you'd probably more of a connoisseur of metal than even I am, but what's the opening track off um, Far Beyond Driven now that my um, memory has failed me? Uh, I'll feel better if you forget too, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I don't feel so bad. But it was the opening track off Far Beyond Driven. Yeah, that was one of my the ones mind, But I'm going to have a look now because I'm sitting right next to my CDs. <laughs> uh, the opening tra- where is where is it far beyond driven is there is it strength beyond strength yeah it is strength beyond strength uh, there we go then becoming them five minutes alone is yeah the- it was strength beyond strength I'm pretty sure it was I hopefully someone's not going to uh, bombard us on the internet and tell me I I've I've said it wrong <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of it I I don't care if I'm wrong anymore. Yeah. I, someone can correct me and I don't mind. Um, yeah, and we did one off um, Cowboys from Hell as well. Okay. So, uh, do you have any thoughts on whether Pantera should do a, uh, a show with Zach Wilde? Because Vinnie Paul has come out several times and said that it will not be, a re- if it ever happens, it will not be a reunion show. Because for it to be a reunion show, Dimeback has to come back to life. So it would just be a yeah. Pantera-esque show, as he put it. But it will never happen because he can't even play Pantera songs. Like He he was describing it in an interview. Uh, Greg Trevett and Chad Gray, who Greg was formerly in Hell Yeah with him, they, uh, they got him to do a uh, tribute to Dime and they played a cover and then he could barely finish the song without crying and let alone yeah. all set. What are your thoughts on it? Should it ever happen? Would you like it to ever happen? And uh, is Zach Wilde the best choice? If it was ever going to happen, Zach Wilde is definitely the best choice. Um, I've had the honour of actually spending time with Zach and he's an incredible human being. Um, He's a really great player. He's probably the closest in style, perhaps, to um, to Dime. Look, I don't know. I I wouldn't say there's there's fours and against. Um, it would be you know it's a difficult thing. I I really don't know. Um, I think that if it was to happen, it it should be Vinnie Paul's call. Um, I don't think that it's fair if Phil or Rex um, make calls for it. I think that if it was going to happen, it'd be Vinny's the one. If he if he thought in his heart that he that that was something that he wanted to do for his brother, then I think it's a good thing. If it's if he decides that I don't ever want to do that for my brother, it's a good thing. There's, there is no wrong decision in in that. You know it. Step away from the music and and think of you know you've got someone who's lost their brother, someone that it's his best mate. It, it's it's beyond anything. It's I could I couldn't think of the pain that he's going through when it happened and the pain that he's still probably going through every day. Yeah, 
there's nothing worse. You get up, there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing worse than getting up and wanting to spend time with someone and can't. Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's the thing. So if it, there's no right, there is no wrong. Um, if Vinnie Paul says, I want to do it, then he, that's right. If he says, I don't want to do it, it's right. Because it's, um, yeah, it's, it's all to do with basically how he feels and what he feels is best for himself and his family. Yeah. Um, I don't even think the fans should even be considered in this. It's, it's um, the fans are, are blessed with having memory and having the songs you know, and having seen them before. Or you know, the fans have that. Yeah. Um, it's it's then down to what Vinny Vinny wants and what Vinny has. You know, like I don't think the fans are entitled to it. Is where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I fully understand what you mean. And if the fans want to see their songs played live. They can go to things like Dime Day and the songs are played almost exactly the same as Pantera would have. So like you can get Well they can go and see they can go and see Rex and Phil do it with, with the bands that they go out and play with, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not going to see them with Dime anymore. No, exactly. Unfortunately, and as tragic it's not gonna happen. Um so if they you know I'm pretty sure that they could probably see it with um Phil and with Rex and even probably with Zach Wild, there'll be shows on festivals where I'm sure all those three guys have jammed together already. They did it earlier um, this year. They all three of them played uh, uh, Five Minutes Alone and Walk together. Yeah, so I don't know if it's going to be... Yeah, I don't don't know um, if it will ever happen. And um, to be honest, will it be much different from seeing Rex, Phil and Zach, will will Vinnie Paul, you know, would it would it actually be that much different? I don't, I, you can't tell because it, the whole dynamic changes just off the fact that there's no dime. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So uh, you've toured extensively throughout the last 20 years. What is, if you can yep. pinpoint one, what is your most memorable moment on tour? Um, getting, well, this is, this is a funny story and one that I have probably said way too many times, but I haven't spoken to you before, so I'm going to share it with you and, and, and the people that listen to your podcast. In 1998, um, around the time that it was announced that Ozzy Osbourne was coming out here with the No More Beers band, as they were called, which was, um, Ozzy Osbourne, Mike Inez, Zach Wilde and Randy Castillo on drums. Um, they called it the No More Beers Band, but because uh, Ozzy was on a hiatus from alcohol, but they were touring the No More Tears album, which was a big album for him. And um, when we found out that we were chosen to do the whole tour with them, and um, we, um, well, when I say we, we also found out that um, I was having a baby with my wife. So I went through all of the prenatal classes and, and everything else, and... Um, worked out that she was due the same week as the tour, um, which sort of caused me to get a little bit stressed, as you could imagine. And um, we were told in the prenatal classes that in no way is the baby's birth ever influenced by anything other than a medical emergency. So I called the nurse one side and I said, um, my band's touring with Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, kind of need the baby out on this date and I kind of need to be on a plane on this date and it'd be really cool if my wife could be in Sydney Entertainment Centre on this date. So going back to your question and I know I waffle on a little bit and I apologise but um, my wife was actually uh, medically induced so that she could give birth um, five days before the Sydney show of the Aussie Osborne Four, which is the first one and um, my daughter was born that week and then off to tour I went and my wife made it to the show and going back to your original question, what's something special to do with Segression tours and all the tours we've done was um, having my newborn baby's um, head wet with um, Zach Wilde, Mike Inez, Randy Castillo all signing the very first photograph that I had of my um, now 17-year-old daughter. Oh, wow. That That's a... Yeah, that's an epic story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, You're more than welcome. So uh, that's we've come to the end of the uh, second interview. Uh, are there any social media plugs that you want to give for Segression, like a Facebook or a Twitter 
or anything like that? Well, if you're interested in Segregation, if you'd like to take any you know, moments of your time to check us out or to listen to anything, just open up your computer browser and just type Segregation into Google and just click on anything you find and believe half of it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> believe half of it. Check it out. Do your homework. And if we've helped you spend five minutes of your time on Earth and, and made it in any way, shape or form positive, then we're grateful. Um, we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, we are on all them things that I don't fucking understand too well, but we're there and chances are if you do send a message or an email or a, or a, a post to Segregation, chances are it will be one of the band that answer it because um, if it's not one of us doing it, it's someone very close to us, like a family member that does it. We, we've always been like that and we continue to be like that. So, um, yeah, if, you, if, you're on, if you're on the net, just look us up and um, get in touch. Uh, cool, excellent. So uh, just like the last interview, we're up to the final question, which is a multiple choice question. Um, I can try and figure out another question on the spot, but I'm pretty crap at that. But uh, the options, once again, are A, ask me a question. B, B, ask a really strange or weird random question by me. Or C, give me the quote okay. of the week for next week's show. Okay, well, I've already, um, on my first little outing, done the silly question, and I still don't think I'm smart enough to come up with a quote. So now it comes back to um, to uh, me asking you a question. So I think I'll, I'll go with A, if that was the, the correct letter. Yep. So here's my question to you. Are you ready? Yep. Your daughter is about to have her 18th birthday. You answer a knock at the door, and the first guest that arrives is a boy who has evil intentions towards your daughter in terms of he likes her a lot, and he's thinking all the things about your daughter that you've thought about your wife when you were around that age, and you answer the knock at the door, and he greets you. He's six foot five. He peacocks his chest out towards you and holds his hand out what are you going to say? Uh, I'd probably say, hey, man. Yeah, um, I'm Tom. I just got out of jail. Uh, I've got no problem going back there if you want to touch her. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment. But, yeah, it would... Yeah. Uh, I'd probably see red if I saw someone turning up to uh, have ill intentions towards my daughter. Well, it, it, what happens is you get to that point that I'm at with now, and at some point they do be, they do become women, and and you can't keep them wrapped up and sheltered their whole life. And it, this is one of the little battles I'm having away from my, my band is that my my daughter. The oldest one, both of them are growing up to be you know, quite stunning, beautiful people and, and very attractive young ladies. And um, you only want what's best for them. And at some point you realize that um, that you do have to let go. And, and it's difficult and it's hard and um, there's no rule book for it, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, you, you, I probably fuck up more with that than I fuck up with the band, but... <laughs> I'm still here having a go. I think the fact that that um, if you've got a daughter and you care, I think that's the the, the parenting advice that I uh, that I live to to this day was an old heavy metal um, video. It was back in the day, and um, Bill Ward from Black Sabbath was on there, and he says about being in a family environment with his kids, and he used to just make sure that every day he got to him and go, "How you going? How you really going?" And I still remember that off that DVD to, or DVD video till today. And uh, yeah, I think that's what I do with my kids is just, uh, how, how are you going? How, how is everything? And uh, I think if you do that, you, you maintain some sort of healthy balance. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you very much for doing the interviews. Uh, this has been Chris Rand from Segression on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. Once again, thank you very much, mate. Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm always happy to chat about anything. Shutting me up can be the problem sometimes. 
but uh, thanks for having me. Please hang up and try again. And that was the second part of the interview with Chris Rand of Segression. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I did. Uh, he was one of the nicest people I've had the pleasure of sitting on the phone talking to. And, uh, yeah, I hope I get to meet him face-to-face someday. But, uh, yeah, for now, that's been the Full Metal Lockdown podcast, episode 19. Uh, yeah, I also, before we actually go, I want to mention to everybody out there, to all the metal bands out there, that you can advertise on this show for free for a period of time. Hit me up on the email, fullmetallockdown at gmail.com, with all the information that you want on the show and I will make an ad for you for free. You got to keep the ad, believe it or not. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You get a radio ad for free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh of course done to your specifications. If it's not the way you like it by the end of it, then you don't have to use it. It's up to you. It's your you add, but uh, metal bands, metal concerts, metal tours, the whole works, they get to advertise for free. If you have your own ad, on the other hand, that you want to uh, do on the show, and you're a metal band, a metal concert, metal tour, uh, you still get to do it for free. You just don't get the free ad, obviously, because you're using your own. But, yeah, if uh, any other non-metal bands, non-metal shows, non-metal companies want to uh, advertise on the podcast, send me up on the email and we'll work out a deal where you can. Um, that Or you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown, or hit me up on Twitter, Full Metal, uh, sorry, Tom underscore Roberts 989. Or email us, fullmetalockdown at gmail.com, like I said before. And on next week's show, I I don't know what we're going to have because I've been sick and I haven't uh, got prepared an interview for next week. So stay, keep a close eye on the uh, Facebook or the Twitter of the next uh, week and uh, I'll let you know what's happening who we're getting all that jazz yeah so uh this has been episode 19 of the formula lockdown podcast i'm tom roberts the guest this week was chris brand of segression the guest last week was chris rand of segression and uh segression's new album painted in blood has dropped it is great check it out and uh yeah we'll see you next week bye i love you